1: Fish Traps filtered, episode 37, also on the Fish on First podcast network. We are here joined by Eli Susson. I'm with my co-host, Isaac Azut. And we're just one week away from opening day, as we record this today, on Thursday, March 23rd. Just one week away until Sandy Alcantara faces off against Max Scherzer in Lone Depot Park. One week away till baseball's back. So baseball officially back with regular season action. This marks also... The day where we will be doing our five bold predictions. Each one of us have five predictions. It could go two ways. We saw how it went last year, not too swell for all of us. Isaac, what's up? One week away. Yeah, it's such a
2: weird time because, you know, it's we're closing in on spring, the end of spring training and we just finished the World Baseball Classic. So it just feels a little strange, stranger than it has felt in years past at this point. But I'm very excited. Seven days away from opening day, Lone Depot Park. It's got to be one of the most... Hyped up opening days in a while. You got those Suicide Young Award winners. You got the two batting champs. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I recommend everyone head out to Miami for that one.
3: Yeah, just to anymore? like, it's coming up and coming down for opening day. No, I've, I've already made my trip down there and I enjoyed it very much to get both spring training and WBC. That worked out very well. And just to reiterate what Kevin mentioned that what you see in the top right corner, in the opposite direction, right there on the top corner, the Fish On First logo. We rebranded the podcast channel. It's still everything you want from our Fish drives people. If you've previously subscribed to it, you are still subscribed to it. You just need to look out for the new logo, and it's, it's everything there it's still on YouTube. We have a playlist for now, the Fish On First playlist to keep it all organized. It's all it's everything that you've already been getting from us just with a slightly different design, slightly different name. So I hope if anybody's confused about that, they can always contact us for clarification. We keep rolling and this, as you mentioned, this is an exercise the three of us did together last year. It went pretty badly, especially for me, me in particular. I really uh, had some overly ambitious ideas about what Sixto was going to do, about what Avi was going to do. And so I've stayed away from both of those players in this edition of my predictions as a, bit of a spoiler. So I am ready to turn the page on that. Thank you again for uh, bringing me on for this one so that we can uh, give it another try.
1: Yep. So before we start with that, Craig Mish and Barry Jackson dropped their phenomenal article sharing the latest on the Marlins. Not much on this one, but I mean, I guess the biggest news was kind of the roster moves that we could be seeing. Um, they want to keep both the La Cruz and Sanchez on the 26th. It'll be between Yuli and Jose Iglesias to see who gets a roster spot. And I think that's, I think what we're going to aim to both Yuli and Jose Iglesias were basically signed on the same day, just a couple hours after one Yuli was signed, Iglesias was signed, or even a couple minutes after. Um, they've both struggled, but we've seen some really nice plays at first from Yuli Goriel, And we've seen some, you know, good stuff from Iglesias, I guess we could say. And this, I guess, is kind of the debate we'll start with. And before we go into our five bold predictions, Isaac, Yuli or Jose Iglesias? Who do you think should be on that opening day roster? As much as I would like, no, there has to be one that we choose
2: here. So we're recording this on March 23rd, two days away from when they can decide to opt out, um, if I have that correct. So Mm -hmm. according to the report, Miami will have to go with just one or the other. In my opinion, you got to go with, you know, you don't have many first basemen in this whole organization. I think you got to stick with the gold glove winner, the batting champ from a couple of years ago, Yuli Gurriel, on this team. 0-2 0-2 pitch hit hard on the ground. Guriel has it to his right and underhand toss to Alcantara covering at the bag. That's a beautiful play by Yuli Guriel. So we got a line drive. It's caught by Guriel at first. Oh, I don't know if Guriel caught that baseball or the baseball <laughs> caught him. I do like Iglesias, and I think he would be the perfect platoon option with Joey Wendell. But I do believe that they have enough left side of the infield depth that they could sort of patch their way through the season with, you know, Xavier Edwards and Jacob Amaya and Jordan Groshans if need be. And I know Joey Wendell's had a horrible spring. I think he's four for 34, it's something along those lines. So it would be tough. I do like Iglesias' hit tool. I like his fielding a lot better than Wendell's. But I, I do think that Gurriel would be the perfect late-inning defensive replacement at first base. And also you're not losing much offensively when it comes to, you know, replacing Cooper with him. Obviously you are losing a little bit, but not an insane amount where it would be a horrific first base you know, defensive replacements, sort of like what Miguel Rojas would do back in the day for Justin Bohr. Um, so yeah, I would lean towards keeping Guriel on the roster because you could you could always use the extra power
1: as well. You you want to go next, Eli? Yeah.
3: Well, the easy cop out here is say, why not keep both of them? Because that is more of no a better possibility than you might think. To be clear about their contracts, they have the ability to opt out on Saturday, but they also have Extra opt-outs later in the year, if they choose to like wait and see, there's another one on May 1st and one after that on June 1st for, for both of these guys. It's because of where they are in their careers. They each have over six years of major league service time. This is now a new standard for veteran major league free agents who get minor league deals is they have the system where you can opt out right before the season starts or a couple times early in the season if things aren't going the way that you want to. I think the best scenario would be picking one of the two to get onto the active roster and then persuading the other one to stick around extended spring training with maybe a brief AAA rehab assignment in the middle and just have them stand by for those first few weeks of the season until if and pretty likely when somebody gets hurt or somebody really struggles out of the gate, then you would need them. That, that'd be the dream is have keeping both of them around and getting the second one up there when you eventually need them. I, I, realistically, you realistically, know, if you have to choose, I went towards Iglesias considering the more, for his position, he might not actually be the better defender. He might be like a league average shortstop, whereas Guriel, from what we've seen and from what he's done, he, he's probably an above average first baseman. It's just that average defense at shortstop is more valuable than first base. Also because Iglesias can contribute at second or even at third if you need him to, that versatility is really important. He's several years younger than Guriel. Uh, so I think that it makes me as closely removed as Guriel is to being an awesome player. Just two seasons ago, being great for the Astros on an everyday basis with an OPS in the 800s. I, it's, when you reach a certain stage of your career, it's, it becomes way less likely that you'll bounce back and revert to who you used to be. And from what I've seen in a really small sample of him offensively this spring, he he looks washed up, at least offensively. I just, I don't see where that, forget home run power. I don't see where the extra base power is in there anymore. I I just think it's really unlikely, despite how recently removed he is from being great in 2021. uh, I think the likelihood of him being that player is really, really low for the fact that he, You can only trust him so much at first base, I believe, at this point of his career. It's a different story if you think he could fake it at those other infield positions. But they haven't even experimented with that in spring games to this point, which I think shows you how they really feel about him at this stage. And even as a base runner, I think Iglesias has a little bit more upside. If you look at his measurables, like he's still above average as a sprinter, even though he hasn't been stealing bases. That's the one thing that I talked to him about when I was actually there the day that they were introduced is how with the rule changes that several of them that encourage more base dealing, more efficient base dealing, he seems kind of optimistic that he would be able to impact the game more as a base runner than he has the last few years. So all that being said, um, yeah, I just lean towards the guy that is more versatile and valuable defensively and, and one that both of them good bat to ball qualities um, ultimately, this makes a lot of sense to me if they were willing to play Luis Arise as the backup first baseman. The reason why it's compelling to keep Gurriel around is because their first base depth is pretty poor if you exclude Arise. I don't know why they're excluding Arise as a first base option. He played it primarily there. Last year, he just played it in the, in the WBC for Venezuela. I think that's the best possible team they can put together, is having, Gurriel, having Iglesias on there, having Arise play first base pretty frequently when Cooper doesn't and 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 Guriel being out of the picture if he sticks around in triple a great so that's the best version of the team and it really is difficult to solve this if they're not willing to play arise at first base and that's I think where we are that's the reason why this is a tough decision because they're stubborn or because they're catering to what arise wants as an everyday second baseman that's what makes this really complicated so I, I have a lot of trouble predicting what they're going to do but to me, what they should do is pretty clear.
1: Yeah, I mean, you would love to have a rise. I mean, a rise. Yuli Yuli's defense, which has looked really good so far at first. I mean, he's made a couple nice plays, and then you would obviously love to have Iglesias' phenomenal contact hitting. This guy's been hitting 300, 290 these past couple of seasons, and you know, you you may say the course field effect, but he's been hitting better. He hit better away than at home last year, so. And you know the other thing with the platoon that Isaac mentions with Wendell and Iglesias, Iglesias hits lefties a lot better than Wendell does. Wendell was really bad against lefties last year, but Wendell was better against the righties, and that's kind of where you see the platoon offensively. Defensively, you could probably make the case that Iglesias is league average, as Eli mentioned. Wendell, still yet to be seen. I mean, he has. I don't think he's made an error this thus far in spring training, so. We'll see what happens, but personally I think I would go with Iglesias. Just think the better hitter overall at this stage in his career, he's been doing this at a very consistent rate in every major league ballpark so far that he's played in. So, And then Iglesias, I mean, you just kind of hope he bounces back. And I mean, these guys did sign very, very late into the spring and through spring training, so kind of makes sense to see one of them go through the extended spring training, maybe even a couple starts at AAA like Eli mentioned and you hope they stay because you know, these guys didn't you, you would think they signed knowing that at some point they would be on the major league roster not. Cause, cause I know Yuli had interest from the twins and the Astros would have liked to bring him back. And you, you would assume that he signed Miami knowing at one point he would be on the major league roster. So I think it's time we go with our bold predictions, maybe some of them too bold, but so how we're going to do this is all of us are going to have five. We'll go from how we did this last year. We want Isaac, Eli, and myself. So we'll do it like that this year once again. And, um, yeah, just five each. Kind of a quick one- to two-minute conversation on each and just to have this run as fast as possible. All right, Isaac, uh, take it away.
2: Okay. Last year, uh, do we? does anyone off the top of their head remember what my first one was last year? It was Lizardo would be second in innings pitched. Uh, that didn't go too well, right? No. Not at all. He pitched 100 oh. innings. Yeah. All right. Well, I have one regarding Luzardo. I'll use that later. My first one is going to be a bullpen one. I have a couple bullpen ones. And then mine is going to be that Huascar Brazovan um, saves over 25 games. I think that I know there's so much more competition in the ninth inning. You got uh, Matt Barnes. You got A.J. Puck. You got Tanner Scott, who was there last year. And you got Dylan Floro, but I do think I love the way Brazabon has thrown the ball this spring. Like, absolutely, he's looked phenomenal, even since coming over a little bit late because of the visa issue. But he's looked great, and I think he's got some of the best stuff in the bullpen. And that's saying something, considering, you know, they have puck and everything. So I think Brazabon gets at least 20, 25 saves. Okay. Eli,
1: you're up. Unless you want to comment on this one.
3: I it seems really high for any individual Marlins pitcher this year. Although I said something very similar about Bender last year entering the year. That's when he, he was knows. kind of that's when they that's when they named him as a closer and they didn't have any clear person lined up after him because of injuries. He's I agree with what you said about um his ability and his potential for that. I just don't think that Skip is going to use any particular guy for that number unless they have amazing results, really amazing. And I think Brazabon, his sketchy control, I think is just going to hold him back from being consistent for any length of time. Although, it's a great find and for him, considering where he was last year, coming out of nowhere. So, um, it's an interesting pick. That's one that you- definitely I did not have on my board. For my first bold prediction, this is, um, we'll start with a spicy one. The Marlins have never had a player hit for their cycle in franchise history. I think Jazz Chisholm Jr. is finally going to check that box. This This has been a very familiar talking point for Marlins fans, knowing that they've made it this far without one, because it's a lot more common for other teams, and especially playing in this ballpark, it kind of is conducive to doubles and triples. So with Jazz, one of the only things holding him back Last year was obviously injury, but also because he started the year batting at the bottom of the lineup, which limits your opportunities this year. Finally, he's going into it at the top of the lineup or very close to it. So you can count on him guaranteed four plate appearances, every single game, five plate appearances, most of the time. So he's going to have the opportunity to do so. Also, like I noted that with the shift being restricted, that's one thing that very quietly was taking triples away from the game with a, especially against lefties, those alignments having extra infielders near the first baseline, it was preventing some of those sharp ground balls from getting all the way to the wall. So I could see Jazz getting a pretty big uptick in that particular regard due to the shift going away, having those extra opportunities to get what is the most difficult part of a cycle, that triple in there. At least have the shift down against Jazz. Three on the right side of the infield. And that
2: is sharply hit, down the right field line, toward the corner. Anderson's on his way to third, and he's going to get the green light. He's going to score easily. It's another triple for Jazz, and RBI to give the Marlins a one nothing lead.
3: As long as he is, he doesn't need to be healthy the whole year, but as long as he is healthy, more healthy than he was last year and has those opportunities, I think he's going to finally put it all together, be the one who checks this box off for an organization that is the only one active right now that hasn't had somebody with the single double triple home run all in the same game.
1: Okay. So I'm up. I will go with a non-player. I'm going to go with Skip Schumacher and I will say he will finish as a finalist for manager of the year. I think it's possible. We could see kind of the Joe Girardi situation here they don't make the playoffs, but they're good enough to the point where you see the improvement that This team goes through, you know, offensively. They're a better squad. You see the record go up maybe to 78 wins, 80 wins possibly. And Skip Schumacher would finish as the NL manager, possibly win that manager of the year role, or just finish as a finalist. I see more likely as a finalist. I'd be very surprised if they win it because you have Dave Roberts, you have Brian Snicker there. So it's – we'll see. But I I do think – he has the opportunity to finish as uh you as a finalist for this award and uh we go back to isaac
2: i like that one kev he's a likable guy i could see him maybe uh, things would have to go really well for the team for him to be a finalist but and that's where i'm sketchy about it but my second one is i don't know if i didn't have one for this player but i do like this player a lot jesus sanchez has 40 oh you're
1: gonna get mine what'd you say Jesus Sanchez will finish with 40 or more home runs. Dude, you got my prediction, okay?
2: Um, Jesus Sanchez, I think he's going to play enough where he can do it. I think he's got the most as what at least some of the most raw power in the you know on the major league team, and I think he's the most talented hitter on this major league team. He's just got to put it together and just not you know be swinging out of his shoes every time. And even with two strikes, I think he's been a little smarter this spring. I think you've seen some sort of adjustments. Even hitting lefties a little bit better, maybe he'll even get some at bats against lefties. I think the bold part is the forty home runs. The, the last bold would have been thirty. So, but this is the bold prediction show. Jesus Sanders hits forty home runs.
1: I, I I had just I'm not gonna use it anymore. I said he would lead the team in homers, so it's pretty similar there. So, all right, now Eli
3: starts.
1: I have one very related to that,
3: so that would be a good time to put mine in, and I'll explain some other factors And it. Another corner outfielder that I think is going to be much better this year, Peyton Burdick. I have him hitting at least 15 major league home runs. Now, he's not even wow. on the opening day roster. He just got options yesterday. I've been relatively high on him, you know, throughout his process. And it was a bummer last year, both at AAA and in his brief major league stint, there was just there was not a whole lot of game power compared to what he'd shown earlier in his career. Looking at him physically and in batting practice and in every other setting, there's no reason to think that power has gone anywhere. He just needs to get into advantageous counts, and then he's just gonna unload. He's right behind Jesus in terms of raw power ability. And obviously the threshold here is a lot lower than 40. I was thinking of doing 20 here just because he's still going to be rookie eligible in Marlins history. There's been very few guys that have reached 20 in their first full season or their rookie eligible season. But with Burke coming up, I've always seen so much of Josh Willingham in him. Uh, Josh, yeah. a poor man's Josh Willingham. And Willingham was one of the few guys that reached 20 plus in his rookie year And he came up, like Burdick, he had to wait pretty deep into his 20s to actually get that opportunity. Burdick is actually older than Jesus Sanchez is. He's 26 right now. He is fully filled out physically. Uh, The other factor that I wanted to note here, which maybe came into your thinking, I don't know, Isaac, is that there's going to be some playing time available in the corner, outfield spots, in particular whatever – Sale Garcia is supposed to play because I am super skeptical about Avi bouncing back this year. I think it's going to be a lot of the same struggles and it's going to be a much shorter leash than he had last year for a team that's trying to win. Um, and for one that um, at this point, already it's a sunk cost the contract that they gave him. I don't think they're going to play him every single day. If he continues to be such an undisciplined hitter who doesn't do enough in the other aspects of the game, to make up for it. So I never root. I don't root for obvious struggles. I don't root for an injury or anything like that, but I think we're going to reach a point where there's going to be playing time available at both left field and right field. Burdick's going to come back up. I expect him to spend as this prediction suggests, I think he's going to spend the majority of the season in the major leagues, whether it's playing every single day or just like the big, like mostly a platoon guy against lefty pitching. He's going to go on some runs where he goes deep a lot, and he's going to be, if he reaches this number, that alone makes him one of the more successful homegrown hitters that the Marlins have had in a while. I, I think he reaches that threshold. Not, not a star, but I think he's, he's part of this team. I think he's going to like assert himself as a significant part of this offensive core moving forward.
1: You know, it kind of hurts him that both Sanchez and Dela Cruz had phenomenal springs or good springs at that because he also had a great spring. He started off with a great spring. And unfortunately, with a, I think it was like a sprained right, like a like a sprained toe, he he, you know, that, that eventually got optioned. So I do think he's gonna have a good shot at getting those 15 homers. And my next prediction will be one I think Isaac has, but I'm gonna go go for it. I think Hazels Luzardo will finish top five in the NL Cy Young voting. I am very high on Luzardo this year. He looked great last season. He's looked good so far this spring. I think he has the opportunity to go out there and really go at it. I mean, you finished 2022 with a 3-3-2 ERA. That was only in 100 innings pitched. You have the opportunity to not pitch even more, and I think he'll be the number two or number three in the, in the rotation, most likely number two, unless they want to put Trevor there or Cueto ends up somehow being the number two guy, which I'd be shocked. But is going to get innings, and hopefully maybe we see him go deeper in the games so far this spring. So I'm going to go – he just top five. I think I had the same exact prediction for Pablo last season. So I'm just replacing the name and putting Luzardo there. I Very don't know nice. how
2: bold
1: Yeah, it's bold in the it's sense cool. that there's so many great pitches
2: in the NL, so it'd be tough yeah. for Luzardo. But, yeah, I don't know how bold my next one is, but I, I think it's time. I think it's you time to save safe prediction when you do this. I think this one might be one of them. Not too safe, honestly, but I think it's time that this player takes the next step. And I think we're all going to see why he was so highly regarded for his almost entire minor league career. Edward Cabrera will be an all-star this year. I think he makes his first all-star game appearance. And first, I mean that seriously, he he will get a few more in his career. I think he's looked great. His stuff looks fantastic. He is a little bit heavier than usual, but maybe that will be a good thing for him. Who knows? But I think it's time that Edward Cabrera will start every fifth day. He does have a minor league option, but I do think he'll break camp with the club and he'll yeah. play every, he'll start every five days or maybe six days, depending if they go with a six man. So it's Edward Cabrera's year.
1: Yeah. Weren't you the one who wanted who would trade Edward Cabrera? You said you would trade Edward yeah, I would for Brian for Reynolds, him. yeah, of course. Oh, yeah, know I mean, yeah, for Brian Reynolds, yeah. But yeah. okay. I'll trade right, Jazz yeah. for Ryan Reynolds too. Uh,
3: I don't yeah. know about that. One. So, just just like you guys, I had a Jesus Lozardo one lined up, but I think it'd be redundant just to like sing his praises. We're all on the same page, I think, with him, what he's going to do. I'm not going to include this one, but uh, yeah, I, I see him having the best year of his career to this point, whatever that means, whether it means Cy Young voting, whether it's in terms of je- certain accolades that he gets or certain n- numerical numbers that he checks off. Um, I- this is just an aside, but I've just been so encouraged by what he's doing, becoming a more complete pitcher. My favorite moment of the spring so far is from his last outing, this one strikeout sequence he had where he he mixed up his delivery in all three different pitches in terms of when he was releasing the ball, how high he was lifting his leg. It was straight out of the Johnny Cueto playbook. That was something that Mel had talked about earlier in the year about Lazardo learning from Cueto and learning to – um, be so comfortable with his delivery and his ability to locate that he'd be willing to do this extracurricular stuff to upset the timing of these hitters and get them off balance. So it's all coming together for him. That's why I, I don't even think it's worth me putting another bold prediction in there because we're kind of all on the same page. I wanted to yeah. do a, a a minor league one in here as I think I I don't know if I neglected that last year. I have Evan Fitterer coming out of nowhere to be the Marlins minor league pitcher of the year. That's one of a very highly regarded draft pick back in 2019 when he was coming out of high school in this past year, he finally stayed healthy. He made almost every scheduled start with high Beloit. The numbers were very underwhelming. Um, He was a little inconsistent with his, control and like he just hasn't missed as many bats as his stuff suggests that he should and the depth of his pitch mix suggests that he should. There's a reason why they drafted him as highly as they did and paid him a seven figure signing bonus because he has a deep pitch mix. He has above average velocity for a starter. He has really nice cut movement on a lot of his fastballs as well. That makes it very difficult to square up. One thing I look at a lot with developing pitchers is how many home runs they give up on their way up through the system, just because you, the hitters kind of tell you if your stuff is lacking in a certain way. Um, the really standout pitchers are the ones that are almost impossible to take deep in the minors because of because of the way their pitches move and the way that they sequence. And Fitterer, to this point in his career, 160 innings and only 10 home runs allowed at this point in his career. I, the stuff is still there and now that he's healthy again. So I think he's going to take another step forward. Um, a, a key factor in this sort of conversation is actually spending most of the year or all the year in the minor leagues. And for somebody that just got finished with high A, I expect him, even if things go well, he should be in the minors this entire year between A AA and AAA. I think he's going to put himself on the map as one of the better pitching prospects in this organization. He's already a guy that's kind of been flirting with top 30 status in most team lists. And, uh, but I think he's going to rise a lot this year and put himself into the rotation conversation as early as 2024. There, there's a lot of names that we already know in the higher minor league levels and those that have been closer. I think he's going to take a leap. There have been other guys in recent years that we've seen um, kind of make a key adjustment with. The, the great staff that they have in player development on the pitching side to get the most out of themselves. So I'm not going to write him off just because it's been a quiet minor league career so far. I think Evan Fitterer takes somewhat of a leap this year and uh, stays healthy, misses more bats than he ever has before. And uh, starts knocking on the door of being somebody that's an actual rotation candidate for a team that already has so many great rotation options.
1: Yeah. And I saw him in the backfield. He looked good. So uh, I like the prediction. So this is gonna be my safe one. I think a little too safe, but I'm gonna say jazz will go 2020. That is very, very safe, but capital. I,
0: mean,
1: I, I could have gone 30 30, but I don't trust jazz. I don't think jazz 30 30 is a good one. one. I would have done 30-30. 30 30. It's 30s, yeah, but I don't think he's gonna hit 30 bombs. So I'm going go get you to do 25, 25. I could do that. Oh, you see, I didn't know that. All right, I'll go twenty-five, twenty-five. <laughs> okay. I will go 25 25 i did not know that. I thought it was just I mean, like, you can pick whatever numbers you want.
3: I I think when you put it at twenty twenty, it's hard to say that's bold. That's kind of almost the expectation because he's he nearly did that before in twenty twenty one. He's only a better player now. So I, I'm not going to take your t- uh, take your spotlight. I just think to make this fit within the, the constructs of this program. It up a little 25 25.
1: All right, we'll go 25 25. Just want to play it safe. I need one that I know will hit. I trust Chas to hit 25 homers, steal 25 bags. Obviously, health is a factor for him. I only played 60 games last year, but in 60 games, he looked really good and he was on pace to possibly go over the 20 homers and have those stolen bases too. So, I'm gonna go with that. I think you know, if he plays a solid center field, he could focus a little bit on that offense and doesn't have to worry much about. It center field okay yeah. i'm gonna do
2: a minor league one as well technically i think this one's pretty bold i don't know if it'll happen i think will banfield makes his major league debut this year Over I Paul think they, not over him i think p mac might as well but i think they really sh- it's time you know 2018 high school pick. it's time to see what you got with this player at least defensively see if he can be your jeff mathis type of player he can maybe fake it a little bit with the bat. I don't hate it. He's got some power, but his receiving, his throwing, he's just a he's a hell of a catcher behind the plate. And I think they'd like to see what they have in the catcher's position in the lower levels of the minors. He should open a double-A this year. And who knows, maybe Stallings really regresses even more. I wouldn't be surprised if he maybe gets, you know, DFA. I hate to say it, like DFA before June 1st or something like that. And Will Banfield would be someone that I would love to see up in the big leagues. So that's my uh, – that's my – Bold prediction.
1: No, that was pretty bold. All right,
3: that's a good one. Like? When you just consider, I mean, on the most basic level, the only catchers on the forty-man roster right now are Stallings and Fortes. So with anybody else, they need to make a case for why they're worth adding in the first place. So they're d- disposable veterans that they could put ahead of him. like uh, what Austin Allen? I think that's his name. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's, he's <laughs> yeah, a guy. Yeah, like, he's He's a guy, and he's in the organization. He can catch when he, when you he need to. And as you Kevin watch. mentioned, as much as we really love P-Mac, we love him for his bat more so than his defense. And there's a question about if he debuts this year, what position does he play?
1: He's and looked this good. One, um, he's this looked is a good defensively, though, I will say. P-Mac, he's looked good. He's had some nice moments. So I wouldn't and doubt And Banfield, the... I, we just
3: saw him the other day when Alex Carver of Fish on the Farm was there. He was catching a Yuri Perez start which for a while, P-Mac had kind of been Yuri's personal catcher. And so it's good. It's interesting to see somebody else also get that opportunity to uh, work directly with the prize pitching prospect. For my next bold prediction, this is my fourth one already. It's another franchise first. I think this is a team that could get red hot for stretches of time. The Marlins have never had a winning streak longer than nine games in their entire franchise history. I think this is the year where there is going to be a stretch of the season that the Marlins have a winning streak of at least 10 games. So what does that mean? That means just one time where you go two full times through the starting rotation and almost everybody shoves. And when somebody doesn't shove, the bullpen holds it down or the offense picks them up. There's going to be a time... I think I've made my general thoughts about this team clear enough that I'm I'm not talking about a playoff team or necessarily a 500 team, but I think there's going to be a stretch of time where they really have us fooled into thinking they have it all put together because they have a stretch like this for the first time in franchise history. They've been stuck at nine on the winning streak side, five separate times in their history. And they're going to get over the hump this year with the, with the depth of that rotation and the, the way that they've built this lineup is in such a way that it's going to be really hard to like totally keep them quiet. Even though spring training would suggest otherwise, they've had a bunch of games in spring where they've been limited to one run or less. I'm going to look past that and feel pretty confident that on most nights they're going to be able to manufacture a couple runs and that a couple of these sluggers that uh, as skeptical as I am about Avi Garcia and the durability questions with Solaire and Jazz, I think there's this is there's going to be a period of the season where they played the best quality baseball that this team has played in a long time and have a winning streak like this, so, ten game winning streak to look forward to. I uh, I can't even imagine how uh, the what the vibes will be like both on Marlin's Twitter and hopefully at the ballpark as well if they put it all together for a stretch of time. It's not too much to ask just for a week and a half to go undefeated. Maybe it is too much to ask. That's why this is the Bold Predictions show.
1: I mean, they what was the last year? Seven-game winning streak went to start off the season, something like that? Or after the series against Philly? They, they were on a pretty nice winning streak there. I think they won four or five in a row. It was four or five? I thought it was like six or seven. Okay, well, I think They got the pitching to do it. <laughs> well. They do. I mean, you have Sandy, which basically books you a team score in less than two runs, maybe. Trev's look good. Lizardo's look good, so. You know, you can book that. All right. So I'm gonna go with one I said last year for Max Mine. I'm gonna do it for Yuri. I think Yuri's gonna make ten major league starts. queto I just don't think Queto will work out midway through the year. He has not looked good in spring training, did not look good in the couple innings in the WBC, except hitting ninety-four at some moments. I think Yuri's gonna force his way up to the major leagues. Um, as much as I love Braxton Garrett, I think Yuri's just gonna triple a out of the water gonna force his way up and he'll he'll come up very soon to the major leagues i mean i i hope they don't do what they did to max with max meyer to yuri because yuri's all once and you know he's the best guy they've had in a while in terms of pitching prospect because max meyer was good eater is good all oh, dax is good but you know yuri's something else and he looked pretty good during spring training i mean he had his his moments where he didn't look the greatest, but. Overall, I would say Yuri looked pretty good. The velo was crazy. I think he was hitting; it was like ninety-nine, one hundred at moments. So, it's very impressive what we see, what we've seen from Yuri. Now he's going to AAA where most likely he will face some guys who've had major league experience, or you know, our top prospects for at the brink of the major leagues. So, it's going to be very exciting to see what Yuri's got, and I and I think he could force his way up to the major leagues. He's going to do it. I mean, kind of what we're seeing with Jordan Walker right now during spring training. I think we could see that with Yuri in Triple A.
2: I think they're actually going to... If you thought it was frustrating them holding down Max... No, I think they're going to hold him down even more. But, I mean, I hope it's not that. But, yeah. We shall see. Um, This is my final one. Yeah. This is my final one. My final bowl prediction is going to be that Jacob Amaya has more than 12.5 home runs. At least 13 major major league home runs. I was going to say 10... I think he's spent a bulk of the year in the big leagues. I think he has sort of tr- not transformed, but he has sort of gone towards a home run heavy type of offensive profile. I think they're trying to, you know, not have him do that anymore. But I, I do think he's got enough power to hit, you know, to knock 12 and a half over, over the a major league fence this year. I think he gets called up maybe in May, June. And he's just, he, he is a perfect platoon guy for Joey Wendell, which is also why I think they might as well go with Yuli Gurriel.
3: Well, this is fun. This is like almost directly in conflict with my final bold prediction. I think Joey Wendell is here to stay. He is a pending free no. agent. What I think he's getting the Miguel Rojas treatment as as this year goes on. Uh, this is extension season. As we're talking, like it wouldn't shock me if something gets done in the next week. But I think more likely during the season, before Joey Wendell hits free agency, this extremely versatile infielder, a former All Star, the Marlins will constantly remind you. I think they've reached a deal where they value – despite what they have – they've made quite a bit of investment in this next wave of young infielders between Jacob Amaya and Jordan Groshans and Xavier Edwards. So I think the timing of this deal will probably come in the middle of the season. They give these young guys a chance to make the big leagues uh, or produce or at least show promise in AAA. Um, and if they don't, um, then – Unfortunately, I think that's when they realize that they value what they already have, the veteran they already have, whether than, rather than putting so much trust in these guys who are unestablished. Wendell is somebody who has never really been dependent on his physical tools. So as he gets pretty deep into his 30s, he can be trusted to still be a useful player in several different areas. His, his bat-to-ball skills aren't going away, and his – um. If we, if for those who've seen him up close, he's a guy that takes a lot of pride in staying physically fit. He's not going to get very uh, yeah. complacent with having a contract and get out of shape. So the question with him is, uh, well, from last year was his durability with his hamstring issues. And he put a lot of effort this off season to trying to figure mm-hmm. out why it is that he got hurt and how to stay more durable moving forward. I would keep my eye on, on this as a mid season thing. Um, once we get to the trade deadline and, like the rumors will be heating up with anybody who's a pending free agent. And I think the Marlins are going to get out ahead of that, um, which they didn't do with Starling Marte when he was in that situation, among several others. But I think with Wendell, they're going to make an exception. And this is going to be one of those cases where they they lock in another veteran player for the, the next few years. So then you have Wendell, you have Luis Arise, and you have Gene Segura. And you have um, a lot of – I'm not sure exactly how these pieces fit together – But these guys raise the floor of your organization when you have these veteran players all in place for uh, a little while. So I I think this is a sneaky extension candidate to look forward to, Joey Wendell, assuming that he plays even better than he did in 2022. That's essentially what this comes down to. I think he's going to have a very nice year in the first half to convince the Marlins to make this commitment to him.
1: I like it. Yeah, Yeah. I won't go against it, Yeah. All right, so my last one's going to be the bold one, the big, bold one. I, I said last year Jorge Soler would be a gold glove candidate. That didn't end up too well, although he started off the season pretty well. But I'm going to go with Luis Arias will win the NL batting title. He will go back-to-back, be the first player since 2020, which was DJ LeMahieu, who won it for the Yankees, I believe, with the AL. And he will be, was it, like the third or fourth player to have to have won a batting title in both the AL and the NL. So... I think it's okay prediction. It was one of the ones I was gonna say. But I think he, he likes Lone Depot. He mentioned it in his opening press conference when we first when the trade first broke. Uh he like he likes hitting there. We saw him hit pretty well in Lone Depot during this stretch in WBC, especially with that two homer game against um, USA it was. Yeah. So he's looked good so far and he's had his good moments in spring that you know the only concern has been a you know, he struck out a, a couple times there, here and there, but I really wouldn't be surprised about that. I have hope that Arise could win another batting title. His real competition would be Jeff McNeil, I guess, who won it last year, but I think Arise has the possibility to to outbeat McNeil or out-do McNeil and win another batting title. So we'll go – Arise goes back-to-back. One of my um... – Bold predictions
2: was gonna be a rise that's over ten home runs. I don't know how bold that one is. I was
1: thinking about that, putting that one amongst that the one as, said, as,
2: you know. As much as people think that Lone Depot Park is a pitcher park, which it is, right field is you know, it's very easy to hit it out that way. I think mm-hmm. a rise showed you that, you know, flick of the wrist, the right field, your you your Cooper, your Brian Anderson, obviously, you know, we miss him.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You can hit it out in Lone Depot Park, especially if you're a lefty. So I was gonna go that route. But I'm I mean, glad it you used the batting be- title. With the WBC, they made it look very hitter friendly. It buddy. would be the first batting title in Marlins history since what Hanley? No. D Gordon. Since D D Gordon. Yeah. yeah. D
1: Gordon. So any
2: other predict- make-
0: another thing. Other- make-
1: <laughs> yeah. Any other predictions you guys had out there that didn't make the the, the you know, your official Realized. ones? Eli, you could go out there. I know you had that one prediction that you made. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to
3: share specifically what oh. it is. I just want to express some caution about Edward Cabrera. And I he's a sexy breakout candidate. I understand why. Um, I just continue to have really big concerns about his commands and particularly his the confidence in his fastball, which for back-to-back years, it just... It doesn't, it used to perplex me why he kind of, what, as they say, pitched backwards and threw so few fastballs. And now it's kind of a, it's clear that he just doesn't uh, locate it the way that most starters do as the foundation of their pitching. There's a lot of different ways to succeed. I just, between that and his durability and some of these various injuries that he's had through the years, like, so the popular opinion is that he could emerge as a top-of-the-rotation sort of pitcher, uh, and I, my worry is whether he's going to be a starting pitcher at all uh, in the near-term future. Uh, so I'm not going to uh, – I have mixed feelings about this because I could see it going a couple different ways, uh, but I am um, I'm concerned kind of about exactly what his role is going to be in this future of the team. I, I think he's going to be part of this pitching staff regardless. It's just, I'm, I'm lower on him, I, I would say, than other people. I feel there's so much volatility there, and there's a lot that he has to prove, despite some of the sexy moments that he had last season. For me, Edward Cabrera has a lot to prove this year. He has to earn his place as a starter on this team uh, moving forward. It's going to be very competitive, and to me, um, I'd say I wouldn't be surprised if there's five guys moving forward. Uh, per- perhaps by the end of this season, there could be five guys in this organization that I like better as starters than than Edward. That's that's how I'm gonna kind of dance around how it is I, I feel about that.
2: Uh, I used to I did share those concerns when he because he did pitch backwards the entire time last year. We'd speak about it in the group chat. He just would be afraid of you know establishing the fastball early in the count. He wouldn't do it, but I think in his latest spring start, he sort of sort of showed maybe a different approach. He was establishing that fastball, and it was it looked as good as ever in 98, 99 with movement. So that's what gives me a little bit of hope. And if he pitches that way, that's the way you got to do it if you have his arsenal. And what makes me think that he wouldn't be anything but a start is just what a crazy pitch repertory he's got. He's got a sinker, he's got a fastball, slider, curveball, nasty changeup that reaches the low 90s. I I think he's the one guy who I would, for, I would never think would ever be inside a major league bullpen. But who knows here, if the command doesn't, Clean itself up, and absolutely, you're right. I think it's the command is the one issue for me, and the injuries. But I think he, I do like I, the way he's picked.
3: I just advise people to come to their own conclusions about him. He's somebody who I feel like his profile has been lifted by testimony from Sandy Alcantara saying he looks like me. He does what I do, except he he could be even better than I am. This has been there've been bits and pieces of that through the years, and <laughs> while I trust Sandy so much, in fact, uh, every year I'm tempted to say. Um, to make a bold prediction that Sandy's going to slow down or like I was tempted to, for example, one other thing I left on the cutting room floor here is that I thought Lizardo was going to exceed Sandy in a particular way this year, statistically. And then, but as I think about it, I don't believe it because I've learned at this point, to always trust Sandy in every way possible, but he is such a unique person and just in his as much as he wants to like spread his great influence on all these other teammates of his, it's a lot harder said than done. Yeah, I can't say enough You know how awesome it would be to have a Sandy clone coming in right behind him who has all these years of club control and who has uh, everything that Edward has. I just have my own skepticism. From what I saw, uh, I feel he still has lots of proof. It just comes down to that. So I'll be intently watching Edward this upcoming season.
1: Yep. Anything else, Isaac, that you may have left in the cutting room or whatever? Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, Kevin.
2: No, sir. Uh, this has been great. I love this um, this thing that we do every year, the bull predictions towards the end of spring training. Only four games left. A lot, a lot of decisions exactly. to be made. Um, I'll be at Lone Depot Park on Monday. Thursday is opening day. And, yeah, we should be coming to you pretty religiously, bi weekly and from this podcast uh, fish on first fish stripes unfiltered and yes sir we're very fish stripes we're very excited
1: for a full year of marlins coverage in our own way as eli likes to say yeah so we'll wrap it up here from eli isaac myself we'll see you guys on the next one peace out and go fish
0: we gotta end it off right